Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Today's guest hails from Waterford, but started his pro career in Manchester, the city he will return to on September the 2nd for his biggest fight to date. To look at him from the outside, maybe on Instagram, you might see a bit of a flash geezer, designer watches and shades, fast cars, exotic locations, but he's really a humble and hardworking fighter who hasn't forgot where he came from. Now preparing to take on Albania's Florian Marku at the Manchester Arena on a Sky Sports boxer show headlined by Liam Smith versus Chris Eubank Jr.'s uh, rematch. It's Dylan, the real deal Moran. Dylan, welcome to the show. Kevin, thanks for having me on. Delighted to join you. Pleasure to have you, Dylan. How's things? How's the form? I believe you're getting towards the end of your camp and uh, you know the biggest fight of your career to date is uh, right out in front of you. Yeah, things are really good. Um, happy and healthy. No complaints, thank God. The end line is in sight for camp. It's been a long couple of weeks, but like I was saying, the Everton seems to be coming together and we have a few more days to go and then that's a wrap. Marku, the guy in the opposite corner, he's someone that the Irish contingent have been looking at for an awful long time. He's been called out by um, Stevie McKenna particularly, uh, but you, you swooped in there and got the fight. How did it all come about? It was just a phone call really, um, asking would I fancy fighting Marku. And to be honest, I didn't think anything would come of it. Of course, I've said I said yes, but I suppose in my career, a couple of big fights have come my way, which I've said yes to, and not never accumulated. So I said yes to it, and yeah, I suppose it, it gathered a bit of momentum, and here we are. It's it's a done deal. What do you think of him, man? Uh, this Marku guy, obviously, we, he came to prominence on matchroom shows. Now he's being poached by boxer. He's obviously popular, big big, big hitter. You know, he's a good fighter. He, if you let him, he'll run all over you. But what do you think of uh, your chances of, of taking him out? Yeah, I think Florian is a good fighter. Um, he can box, he can fight. I don't think his boxing gets enough credit. He's very entertaining. Plays the part really well. You know, this is a business at the end of the day. and He knows that. Um, he's a really big name. Uh, but I think I have what it takes to beat him. And I suppose that's what it all comes down to. By no means easy. but. Uh, yeah, these these are the fights for so long I wanted to be involved in, you know, exciting fights, ones that get people talking. And it's taken a lot longer than I expected, but I'm here and I'm delighted to be here. Um, Again, not taking Florian lightly. I've watched all of his fights. Anytime he was fighting, I would tune in because you don't know what you're going to get with him. There is that ec- exciting element to him. And now I'm going to be the one standing opposite him and I'm looking forward to it. 
returning to Manchester where you began your pro career, it's got to be some a comfort for you. Um, are you looking forward to getting back over there and, uh, you know, getting to see some old faces? Because you, you started your pro career. I think you had your first fight, four fights over there and you're working with Kieran Farrell was managing you and going around the gyms, you know, sparring everybody. And I'm sure you have a, a collective, a big, a big uh, group of friends over there. Yeah, and to shout out to all the lads in Haywood, Manchester. Um, the tickets have absolutely flown out over there. And I just, call me crazy, but I find it mad that it's all come full circle. I used to walk past the AO Arena with the lads on the weekends going into town and say, Monday we'll be in there, joking about it. And now we are there. Um, and I'm just delighted to be able to do it, you know, give them all a big night, a night that we've all worked hard enough for, including my family. We've all been through it. You know, I haven't done this alone and a lot of help along the way. And for us all to be over there among the thousands on an undercard like Eubank and Smith, um, yeah, it's well deserved and I'm delighted to be able to do it. In the pre-fight stuff, you've have you, you've come face to face with Marco, haven't you? What did you make of him? I think you had a bit of one of those like face-off uh, occasions with Sky Sports. So what was that like? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm waiting to watch it back. I can't really remember it. I kind of lost the run of myself a bit because we went out before the cameras start recording. So adrenaline was rushing and flowing and yeah, tensions were through the roof before we even sat down. So, But yeah, I let him know that, look, I'm not here to make the numbers up. I'm not here for a payday. You're standing in my way of something I've been working towards for many years. You know, there's a lot more to this than the cameras and the publicity. Because he kept mentioning that, and I was like, I have no interest in that whatsoever. All I'm interested in is beating you on September 2nd, and I'm fully confident in doing it. We had a little bit of back and forth. We left it on a pretty respectful note, from what I can recall. And yeah, it was just good to see him. After seeing him, after talking to him, I'm more confident now than I ever was. When you go into a situation like that, where you're going to have to battle someone verbally for a while, do you, do you have any additional nerves uh, that you wouldn't have maybe if you're fighting them because you know what you're going to get when you fight them. But those sort of, uh, you know, those verbal things that you do in the media, that's quite, that's new enough in your career. I'm sure win this fight and you'll have more and more of that kind of sort of thing. But at this stage, what was it like? Yeah, it was a new experience. And to be there, there were some big names in the hall and, you know, it was my first time there. Um, yeah, but I, I handled it pretty well. Of course I was nervous. Uh, but yeah, you just have to put your game face on and go with it, don't you? Um, like I said, I'm looking forward to watching back the face to face. I think it was pretty exciting. And I'm sure I got the point across to Marku that as much as I've got a fight on my hands, he's got one also. Now, Dylan, you've been a pro for six years, but we're going to take it a, a little bit back before that. Uh, can you just talk about your childhood? I believe you grew up in between like the countryside and Waterford City, you know, and uh, like, like I said in the intro, I never forgot where you came from, but you're a very proud Waterford man. Very, very proud Waterford man. Started off in Ballybeg, Waterford, and then I moved to the country to a village called Kilmac Thomas. Both places have been played a massive part in my career in terms of support and having to sell tickets in the early days and just helped me getting off the ground, I suppose. And, you know, I'm close with everyone. I have a great relationship with everyone here in Waterford. And, um, yeah, you know, like I said, delighted to be, they'll all, most of them that aren't going, they'll be able to watch it on the telly. There's a great buzz around here and I'm just delighted to be able to do that. It's a point in my career. I've, I've dreamed for so long of getting to, and now I'm here. So I'm just soaking it all up, enjoying it. Like I said, there's a great buzz around the town and it's great to see. For a kid growing up in Waterford at the time that you grew up at, you, the idols would have been the likes of, you know, hurlers effectively, wouldn't they? And uh, you didn't really have boxing idols to look up to. And I know you've had to kind of plow your own path there, but did you ever, did you ever play any hurling, football, Gaelic, anything like that? 
Yeah, I played loads of football in Hurling for Kilmack. Um, some of the greatest days of my life, to be fair. Uh, really enjoyed them years. And I would think when this boxing's all said and done, I might return to but to the field for a few games and see how we get on. Yeah, don't go back too late now, uh, speaking from experience. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you, you, uh, you were in the gym from a very young age. I see, like, just checking out your Instagram, there's pictures of you at the gym in, in boxing gloves or, you know, working around with your dad three or four years old. Was Is fighting in the family? For years, fighting's been in the family. For as long as I can remember, it goes back beyond my dad. And even from my earliest memories, like, there was nothing else ever really went on in my life. Boxing came before everything. And, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's given me a great life. Um, I've learned loads through boxing, grown as a person through boxing. And, yeah, you know, my little brother is following suit now. Um, even to have him with me the week of the fight, what an experience that is going to be for him. Um, he'll be like my shadow everywhere I go, just like he was at the homecoming. And, you know, I look back and I think, well, imagine if I was getting that at his age in terms of experience and whatnot, where how further on I'd be today. And yeah, I'm doing kind of setting the path for him and please God, he follows it. You bring us back to school. I read an interview with you with uh, Dermot Keyes uh, in one of the Waterford uh, newspapers and it said you would have liked to have paid more attention in school. And I know that you left uh, going into leave insert year. What was, uh, what was the young teenage Dylan Moran like? Because you were fighting in the amateurs uh, getting to All-Ireland Finals and stuff like that. And you probably saw a new career for yourself or a new way of living for yourself there. Um, but school took a backseat. Yeah, school took a backseat. And if I had my way, if I had my chance again, it wouldn't have took such a backseat. You know, boxing always came first. And that's probably what has me here today, Kevin. But had I my time again, I, I was good in school. Um, I was academically okay. And I could have passed my leave insert. But again, it was just fully focused on boxing. You know, at them, them years, you're kind of uneducated on life, I suppose. You don't know how important education is as you progress. Um, and, you know, my dad, he didn't really, I won't say he didn't care about it, but he, it was boxing for him also. Um, but yeah, look, it is what it is. Had I done my leaving cert, I could have went a different path in life and I wouldn't be here today. And yeah, look, hindsight is a great thing. Yeah, obviously the show is uh, called The Rocky Road. So I'm interested in some of the challenges you came up to. I know you... Like you moved out of home as well. And, you know, as at around the same time as you left school and you've said in the past, like money, popularity, partying, headed down the wrong road, one or two scares. Can you tell us about those teenage years when you maybe stopped listening maybe to the advice that you Yeah, that you so were we, we moved out the country. You know, my dad wanted to give, I had a great life growing up and um, I couldn't say different. But you come in that age where you're starting to find your feet and you think you know it all. You think you have the whole world figured out. And in hindsight, I didn't know anything. But there was no one could tell me any different. My dad was always trying to guide me the right way, give me the right advice. But I thought I knew better, Kevin. And yeah, I went and done some things I shouldn't have been doing. And you pay the price and you learn. And slowly but surely you realize, you know what, maybe I should have listened a little bit sooner. But I also think it's important to, to go and figure those things out for yourself. It's one thing being told, but it's another thing going through it and experiencing it. You tell us about your first job when you left school. Did you go work in a meat factory? Yeah, so I, I thought getting a job was going to be the best thing ever. But my dad happened to know the manager in the meat factory. And he said to him, give him the hardest job that you have over there. And I'm not joking when I say they had me pushing bins with square wheels. It was the roughest six or seven weeks of my life. I'm I'm still I'm still hard over it. Um, and I always remember 
every morning I'd open the door, they had this poster on the wall of, I don't know if you've ever seen that American guy with the top hat and the curly hair and pointing at you saying, we want you. <laughs> Uncle it's, Sam, it's, yeah. It's stuck in my head today, like when they were recruiting for the army. And I'd be going down there and you'd be killing cows from six o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the evening. And I remember thinking, there has to be more to it than this. And uh, yeah, I just grabbed the bag and ran off to Manchester. <laughs> did, they, did they have you uh, personally killing cows or were you assisting yeah, people? Yeah. yeah, I'd done it all. I was killing the cows. I was hanging up their tongues. I was moving bins of body parts, you name it. And uh, yeah, again, a reality check. And maybe I should have listened to dad and stayed in school. Yeah, we, we all wake up in the middle of the night having uh, nightmares about the leaving cert or, or according to the cliche anyway. But uh, <laughs> hanging up hanging up cow's tongues or going back to, to killing them might be a different one. All right, to go yeah. back. And I, I'm, I'm sure... You still remember the smell, maybe as well, because oh, it can be like can be yesterday, gruesome. Kevin. Like yeah. yes, I get shivers thinking about it. <laughs> and I used to see how on the lunch break, just staring into the air, thinking, nah, "This can't be it, Dylan. There has to be more to it than this." At that stage, or you know, around that stage, you know, you're you're an amateur boxer, and you reach three All Ireland finals as well, and you know, you came up uh, on the runner-up side on on all three of them. And for as much success as you had in your amateur career, I'm sure you had a lot of heartbreak as well. Had a lot of heartbreak. Yeah, I gave absolutely everything to the amateur game. And I know it's like the boy who cried wolf for everyone saying bad decisions and that, but I was genuinely just on the wrong stick a couple of times. There's there's plenty of stories there. Trips going away where the number one and number three would go and I was number two and I wouldn't even get the call after beating the number three and whatnot and before beating the number one in a different tournament. And I just couldn't break the seal to get in there. And then when I did get in there and done a couple of Irish camps, it just wasn't for me, um, Kevin. And that's how I ended up kickboxing. I was approached one day and said, would you be interested in kickboxing? And I said, well, I'm not really enjoying the amateur scene at the moment. Why not? And that led me off down a whole different path. I fought all over the world doing that. So, yeah, like I said, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but it's been a great ride all the same. Um, like I said, I, w- I wouldn't change any of it, the good or the bad. Yeah, like, would you be an emotional person, Dylan? Obviously, boxing is a it's a hard man sport from the outside, but it's not really the case inside. People, everyone's different, and people show their emotions. I've read, you know, you saying that you're you like you would have cried in the corridor multiple times, or you were you were heartbroken several times as a kid. Did did it get to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, even now when my my brother's fighting up in the stadium, I don't really even like going in there as a man today. I cried in them corridors so many times. Absolutely heartbroken is the only way to describe it. And I still get a bad vibe when I go to the stadium many years later. But, you know, it is what it is. And a lot of that also followed with professional boxing. You know, yeah, it is an emotional game. You're on your own for a lot of the time. You're dealing with it all in your own head. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. Even if they say it isn't, it is. Yeah. Which uh, which boxers did you look up to as a kid? I know you're a fan, like many of us, of the of the RT Pro Box series, the Bernard Dundays, Andy Lee, John Duddy, all the lads. Um, but you know, which guys from afar did you like to watch, even from America? Obviously, you had like Ricky Hatton and Tyson, and these guys love watching their old fights. But the main people would have been who you name, uh, Bernard Dunn on RTE. Like they were some great nights for me sitting down with my dad watching. I always remember the little green gloves vividly. And just talking about, you know, that I want to get there someday. John Duddy, what a fighter. I always remember he fought Yuri by campus in America. What a story, what a fight. Um, yeah, so all these guys kind of, you know, set me upon what, I, what, what I'm doing today. 
Were you one of the ones who tuned in to watch uh, Don win or lose? Because I think he used to split. He used to split people, didn't he? Like I think yeah. people down the country used to be like, ah, that guy's too cocky. I want to see him lose, but they tuned yeah. in nonetheless. So that I'm sure. Hey. He didn't care. Exactly. No, I always wanted him to win. I think it was a great time for Irish boxing back then. It was booming. And yeah, it was a massive part of my childhood. Which, uh, which, like it, the crazy thing about boxing is you get to meet your heroes, don't you? So I've seen pictures of you there alongside, you know, Andy Lee, Ricky Hatton, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've got to meet them all, Kevin. I've got to meet them all. And, you know, Andy up, I suppose that was a factor in, yeah, making you train hard, you know, you're excited about the big shows and meeting all these guys. And I'm at a stage now where I've gone past all that. I just want to be involved in the exciting fights myself. It isn't about anything else other than that. That's why with this Marco fight, he was saying at the face-to-face, you know, I give you all this. And he's talking about the cameras and the publicity. And probably when I was 20 to 24, 25, that would have meant something. Now it doesn't mean anything. If there was none of them cameras there, none of them interviews, it don't really make a difference. I just want to fight, be involved in exciting fights. And I'm here, thank God. Yeah, but no doubt you do have kids back in Waterford that look at you the same way and uh, further afield as well, that look at you the same way as you would have looked up to Hatton and and uh, the rest of the boys. Like, I hope so. And if that's the case, that's unbelievable. Like, There's nothing more important or worthy than that. Um, it's crazy. You know, even the homecoming that I had in Waterford, to think that there was kids in the arena that night coming across the road and having nights that they'll go on to remember. Remember the night Dylan Moore was fighting in the arena, like I've rehearsed about Duddy and uh, Dunn. That's that's crazy. That's unbelievable. That's what it's all about. Yeah, because I remember speaking to you in the arena afterwards and you were saying how you'd always had great support, even going back to your kickboxing days and stuff. And I didn't know too much about your kickboxing days, but... You know, I was looking at some of the uh, the local the local media front pages. You know, from back there, King of the World. You know, like yeah, he rules the world again. Like real dramatic front pages, and that's from your kickboxing career. So you had a lot of success there as well, and it was attempting to stay involved. I know that the game, the end goal was probably to become a professional boxer, but kickboxing is it? It's a nice way to garner a bit of success. I'm sure it's a hard sport as well. Like, but you you managed to taste a lot of success there. Yeah, I fought all over the world kickboxing. I had some amazing trips, amazing times. Um, I, I think I had about 80, 85 fights maybe, picked up a load of titles. And a lot of those fights have stood to me massively. Like, I know I can go into the trenches. We've kind of had to get back to my boxing a lot these recent years because I just became a bit of a scrapper over kickboxing. But it's also good to know that you can go there and, you know, you can swim in those waters. But... uh yeah, a very, very hard sport. Um, very tough. Boxing would be more skill-based. Kickboxing is just more of what you're made of, you know, who, who's got more in them. But like I said, it was it was another exciting point in my life. And uh, yeah, I met some amazing people through it also. Had you um, had you given up on kick? Had you st- parked your kickboxing career when you decided to go to Manchester to begin as a professional? 2016, 17 or thereabouts? Yeah, Um professional boxing was always the end goal always um, since I was young and you know I had my last kickboxing fight in in Spain I think it was and I said look this is because I was I was fighting for Team Ireland at the time I said look I'm, I'm done kickboxing after this um, I'm going to pursue professional boxing and I'd been in talks with Kieran Farrell who I'd met years earlier while he was still a fighter and uh, yeah we linked up went over had a conversation and yeah it's we never looked back from there uh, so many fighters in Manchester and, and like a tough city to survive. What was it like for you early days? So I people forget this. Like I lived in the gym, Kevin. Like I lived in the gym on my own um, over in Manchester in Haywood. 
you know, one of the... That's, a usually a figure, that's usually a figure of speech now for someone, but to, are you saying that you genuinely... No, no, I, no. I I lived yeah. in the gym, like I lived upstairs. I still remember the shutter going up and down every morning, um, six o'clock in the morning, probably half eleven at night. Here and Farrell would be closing up, and I'm upstairs on my own. Um, literally lived in the gym. We turned the room in the upstairs into like a single bedroom, and I stayed there. You know, I earned my trade over there. A lot of people don't see that. You know, opportunities come my way, and I believe it's from putting in the work like that. You know, I clocked in all them years ago. It wasn't easy going over there on my own. A massive city. I was in a bit of a bit of a rough little town. It wasn't uh, as smooth sailing as you think. And yeah, I knocked it down. I got to work, and I learned my trade in Haywood, Manchester. Being able to fight must be a help over there. Was was there any ever any aggro or anything like that inside or outside the ropes? Oh, you can see on my Facebook. Like I used to be looking out the window of my room, and there'd be people killing each other on the street outside. Um, that was the kind of area that I was in. And again, I wouldn't change it. All these situations and times over my life have molded me into the person I am today. Like people think, you know, flying is a big task and it is, but I know I can go in with those guys. I've been in there and I know sparring and fighting is different, but I have this performance in me that I've just been waiting for someone to bring it out. I've said it to the people in my circle for years, if I could put that on telly after spars or whatever. And I just believe Florian Marco is going to do that for me. Yeah, they were kind of like those, uh, we hear about the doghouse spars or whatever, but it, it does seem like you, you turned around and it was like, Dylan's ready to get in with anybody bigger or, you know, no matter how big, in you go. And like, so you must have learned a lot about yourself in those early years. Without a doubt. And being in Manchester done it for me. It's, you know, the heart of boxing, really plenty of gyms over there. Uh, and I was brought everywhere by Kieran Farron. Kieran put me in with everyone and anyone. Um, from like Liam Smith being the biggest down to... Yeah, you name it. I, I've been in with everyone over there on a week-to-week basis. And like I said, I, I learned my trade. And had I not been able to do that, Kevin, I probably wouldn't have, have stuck with boxing for so long. But the fact that I'd been in there and passed the test, I'm like, this is worth seeing through. Mm. Like, I, you you look at your, you know, your career, it's like you've been everywhere, you know, you've from kickboxing all over the world to... Your professional career, like I mean, to, to list it out, it's crazy. And we'll we'll go back and maybe tell a few, you know, hear a few stories about these places. But you know, your first four in the UK near Manchester, you know, you fought in Dublin twice, you fought in Mexico, County Mayo, that's probably the wildest of all the spots. But your call a couple of times over in America, Catskills, Austria, a couple of to- couple of fights in Germany, Spain, and the Waterford homecoming last time. So you, you've been all over the world. It must it must be difficult though to, to put down roots to have a settled uh, to have a settled vibe and maybe the fact that you're so tied to Waterford and it's you're, you know you mentioned it so many so much and it's it kind of anchors you Waterford I suppose yeah it's crazy to hear them back as you name them out but you have to understand Kevin at that time there wasn't much going on in Ireland I mm. had to leave I'd have, I'm at home now and I'm more than ha- I'm delighted to be at home you know linked up with Jimmy Payne things are brilliant they're better than I've ever been but them years when I was starting off, it wasn't possible to do that. You know, you had to go and make a name for yourself. You had to go and make contacts and make a network and, you know, get out there and get known and get in the mix. You know, there was no spars here for me. There was no professional boxing environment to be involved in. So I had to, to grab my bag and set off. And, you know, what a journey. It's been all them places you named out. Like I said, it's been a great life that I've got to live through boxing. Yeah, like you fought at this, like the as a professional, it must have been difficult maybe going back to fight at the national stadium in Dublin, having a you know bad memories of fighting there as hey, an well, amateur. It, You've done it, it twice it, now as a professional. 
it was, Kevin. When I was into the dressing room, um, all these bad feelings start coming back. And I was like, come on, Adrian, you can't leave this happen. You know, you got to get a grip here and, and go to work. And thankfully I did. But they definitely crept into my head as soon as I started getting ready. So for your seventh fight, you end up over in Tijuana. What, what brought you over there? What brought me over there? Um, just offered a fight to go to Tijuana. And I remember like thinking, you know, I, I never even heard of Tijuana. I was like, Mexico, that sounds crazy. And uh, me and James Power and Vladimir Belusky and Andy O'Neill set off. And that was a great, great trip. What an experience. Mexico and being in Tijuana. I really seen why the Mexican fighters are what they are and, you know, how they have to live. We're all living a high life at home towards the people over there. One of the heavyweights we went to pick up, he rolled out from under the ring. That's where he was sleeping in a, in a gridiron shed to go and have a fight. And I was thinking, you know, we've got it easy back home. But all in all, it was a great experience. And yeah, it's good to be able to say I was in Tijuana. I had a fight there and yeah, it's one for the books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple of fights in um, like your call back at the stadium and stuff like that. But you got the call to, um, I remember when Star Boxing signed up and they, they were looking at a bit of Irish talent, you know, d- a decent sized promotional outfit on USA East Coast. And that's an opportunity there, isn't it? And uh, you must have been delighted. I, I've made it, you know, when you, you sign with Star Boxing. Joey, what's it? What's his name? Joey? Um, Joe, uh, yeah, I, I forget his name. Uh, he's the promoter. Guardiola or something uh, like that? No, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe de Guardia. Joe de Guardia, that's the one. Joe de Guardia. Yeah, so that call came, Kevin, again, blinded by the lights. I thought, you know, this is it. We've cracked it. <laughs> it's all after paying off. Yeah. Um, I, I went there and it didn't go my way. Again, in hindsight, it's the best thing that ever happened. At the time, I didn't see it like that for sure. I've, Pride Moza for a week. But looking back now, it is it is a blessing in disguise. Um again, a great experience to go over to America and New York. I was young enough at the time as well. So it was literally living the dream. When you went to like uh, can you tell us about the fight? This guy Dennis Ocott. Uh, you know, your level after two rounds, he stops you in the third round. What happened in the fight? What happened in the fight? I always gave credit to Dennis, but I think it's years later now that I can say like the whole build up to the fight was wrong. Me and my dad fell out. I basically trained myself for the fight. And uh, what I learned from that whole trip was I'll never be a yes man again. I knew I shouldn't have been going to America, but the fight had already been cancelled. And I was thinking everyone is just expecting my fights to be cancelled all the time. I can't pull out of this one. It has to go ahead. And I went to America knowing I shouldn't be there. And I just went in and took a chance and I paid the price and that will never happen again. And that's should, the long why, start to him. Why should you not have been there? You, you know, because I, I, I didn't train. Yeah. I didn't train. I'd done, I done six rounds sparring, you know, for the voice. Everything was completely wrong. It was a bad time in my life. I wasn't happy. And uh, yeah, I shouldn't have went, but I didn't want to say no. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just being a yes man. I went to America and I paid the price. And that's the long and short of it. But I've never said that to anyone. Everyone here knows that's the story. I just said, congrats to Dennis O'Connor. I was beat by the better man. You said you cried your eyes out every day for a week. Yeah, I did. I won't lie. I did. And, you know, I never cry. I never, ever, ever cry. Maybe I should more. I'd like to more, but I just don't. And that was probably the last time I've cried and the only time I can remember crying. So, yeah, that's what boxing does. That's how invested you are in it. You have to understand it's a 24-7 thing for me and it's always been that way for as long as I can remember. 
And like you've mentioned before, it's a lonely sport and, and we know that. Like you're you're a long way from home in America. Did you have many people over there with you to support? You also mentioned that you fell out with your dad. I'm sure you made it up afterwards, you know. Um, yeah. In that week, like what do you, you know, there's, there's very little to touch on for support. I suppose people need a support system or a family or, you know, friends over with them. But what did you do for the week? Yeah, my main support system, me and my dad, like me and my dad are best friends, but fathers and sons have arguments, but we fell out and I'd be as stubborn as he is. There's a pair of us in it. Um, yeah, and oh yeah, I'm probably the most stubborn. I didn't talk to anyone over there, Kevin. Even though they were there, I didn't talk to anyone. In terms of support, to be fair, there's a massive Irish community over there and a lot of my friends in Ungarn and Kilmac uh, organised a bus from the inner city of New York and came out to Catskills. So I actually had good numbers there. I'm unfortunate about the result, but they showed up. That that's your last loss, and you know the rebuild has been painstaking, and it's you know far flung. You've been all over the place. You, you had your first win back at the the York Hall, but then you kind of took on a, took on a bit of a tour over, and you know I remember like where the hell is Dylan now? If you seeing pictures of you on social media, you'd be in Liechtenstein or you know Austria or Germany, and you've, you've so I think that period, Kevin, is probably the most random of them all. I was beaten in America. I came home and I said, right, I was in the slumps for a few weeks and I said, okay, I can't keep sitting here crying about it. I need to get my career back on track. So I tried to go back to Mexico uh, just to get a win and just get my career going again. And while the Mexico fight was coming close, it turned out that my dad couldn't go and my mate Stephen couldn't go. So I said, I'm going to go alone. And they're like, you can't go alone. I said, no, I'm going to go alone. I have enough. I need to get going again. And I went to Los Angeles on my own, met Gabriel, the promoter, and traveled down to Tijuana. We was in the dressing room the day after, warming up alone in this nightclub. All these Mexicans are pulling up in pickup trucks and wife beater vests, smoking fags in the hall and all. It was crazy. And I'm sweating buckets. I'm dehydrated. I'm tired from the trip. I kind of knew I shouldn't have been going in the ring. And next minute, the doctor comes in and says, your man's failed his medical. There's been a problem with his medical, and he's not allowed to fight tonight. And I just thought I was hearing things. I'm sitting on a bucket in this dressing room in Mexico, and I'm like, here we go again. And it, the fight didn't go ahead. And when I look back on it, maybe it was meant to be. But yeah, back to the hotel that night. I think I had another little cry alone in Mexico. And yeah, I woke up the next day. I spent two days in Beverly Hills waiting for my flight and went home with no fight. So that was another mad experience. And I got home and I said, this is it. I'm done. I'm finished boxing. I've given so much to it and I've got nothing in return. And I went on a night out probably about two weeks after in Kilkenny with the lads. And I'm sitting at the bar in the left bank and my phone is ringing, an unknown number. And it was Tom Dallas of the Sourlands. I said, Dylan, I'm just wondering, would you be interested in going to Liechtenstein, Sparren? I never even heard of Liechtenstein, uh, Abasparau. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm at nothing else. Why not? And uh, I accepted it and off I went and I got picked up over in over in Austria, I think it was. And yeah, brought to Liechtenstein, Kevin. And what an amazing place this was. Some multimillionaire was after creating a boxing gym and grabbing boxers from all around the world. I got brought in as a sparring partner. I performed really well with a bass. And at the end of the week, they asked me to stay. And that was that. And uh, so <laughs> what was the place like? It, it looked to be kind of like... Deep, deep in the woods, you know what I mean? Log cabins, saunas, jacuzzis, the whole shebang. It was like something you'd see on postcards. I've never seen anything like it. And again, very grateful for it. It's a part of the world you'd never go to. It's not your typical Spain or Tenerife. And I ended up there through boxing again. It was a great, great time in my life. 
It was absolutely beautiful. We were in Liechtenstein, so when you come out of my apartment, if you go left, you're in Austria within five minutes. If you go right, you're in Switzerland within five minutes. And if you went to the back of my apartment, you're into Germany. It was crazy. Um, I think it's one of the richest countries in the world. A lot of old, retired millionaires are there. And Pete Lyme was this promoter who's a boxing fanatic. And he decided he's a multi-multi-millionaire of the Beamer Group. That's his company. And he decided to open this boxing campus and grab kind of fighters from around the world. And that's what he done. And it was unbelievable. I've never seen a facility like it or a setup. Was it, uh, do you think it was as beneficial mentally as well as physically, like to get back on track or, uh, you know, which was which was more important? Because you're, you're away from a lot of distractions at home. You know, you're just focusing, I'm sure, fully on boxing for a couple of years there. And, you know, during the pandemic as well, when there wasn't too much action taking place. And you did have, like, I don't think you fought at all in 2022. You'd fought once in 2021. So there wasn't much happening, but this was, you know, this was a, got you away. There, there wasn't much happening anywhere, really, was there? Exactly. And I thought this was my turn of good luck after everything I've been through. Here we go. You know, from selling tickets, getting bet in America, traveling to Mexico, fight gets cancelled. I'm on my own. I've got no promoter, no manager at the time. And next thing I end up in Liechtenstein and this millionaire is telling me we're going to be fighting for European and world titles and all these belts and get me a new apartment, a new car. And I was like, <laughs> I was a bit dumbfounded by it all, to be honest, Kevin. And what a time in my life it was. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but sometimes when things are too good to be true, usually they are. Um, I had one or two fights for him. Next one we're fighting for a WBC belt. I'm like, this is this is unbelievable. Dennis Ilbe done 10 weeks training. And the week before, COVID comes along and the company goes bust. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. Yeah, yeah, that was a terrible struggle. There was a couple of you in particular that had really bad luck at the start of COVID. There was a few lads in America. I believe you're training with them now, Joe Ward, but... Uh, yeah, Joe, Joe and Ray Moylet were in, in America and they were just about to fight. I think Mick Connell had a fight called off right on the eve as well. You know, the plans were made, the training camps were done and then yeah. everything fell apart and then there's nothing for an awful long time. But you were mixed right up in it as well. And that would have been a career a career changer for you. It would have been a career changer. And here I was living the dream over in Liechtenstein. The bad luck is behind me. One week before the fight, a meeting is called in the office and he says, I have to close down the company. There's too much outgoings. COVID's coming along. I speak with Angela Merkel. He said, this is the best information. This is here to stay. An hour later, I'm walking down some woods in Liechtenstein on my own, scratching my head saying, what is going on? Get me a flight home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, I'm sure you, you would have, uh, at the time, you wouldn't have seen yourself by 2023, having a homecoming fight, you might have thought, right, this, it's time to quit. Did you ever did you ever think of quitting along the way or saying, listen, I can't be doing with this? Kevin, many, many times. Yeah. Many, many times. And, and you know what? Any time it would have been justified. Um, I was never feeling sorry for myself. It was just real stuff. It was where sometimes you have to take a moment and say, am I wasting my time here? Could I be spending my time more wisely in a different area? You know, and... I tried, and I think the longest I've ever lasted is probably a week. Something's just always dragged me back to the gym. I suppose it's what you're familiar with. It's all you know, and it's where you're at your best. And yeah, thankfully, I, I did always go back because had I not, I'd have walked away and left what was to follow on the table. So yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, and I'm sure like you're only at the beginning of your career as well, but you know, you're at it six years as well. Have you got a plan for after boxing or have you got an idea of what you'd be doing if you weren't boxing even currently? So the plan was always, Kevin, go professional boxing, see how far I can go on it and then open a gym. That's been the plan from from the from the get-go. Um, you know, everybody here knows that. I've often thought about opening a gym 
along the way uh, as we speak. But I just thought, I'm not in a position to do it yet. I'm still ready to grab a bag and go where it needs to be to get, get it done. So, yeah, but eventually when the time is right, and these things come to you, you'll know when the time is right, I'll, uh, I'll begin opening a gym here in Waterford and I'm really looking forward to it. I want to ask you as well about your... Uh... You're sparring with Conor McGregor a few years ago because when when fighters get that call, get that opportunity to become part of McGregor's camp, it can be uh, it can be life changing. Definitely, another call that I thought nothing was going to come of it, just like the Marku one. But for you know, it's it's a mad career I've had. For all the bad patches I go through, a good patch follows. And I've been through the dirt, let's say, and then out of the blue, I get a phone call to say, "Do you want to spar Conor McGregor?" And I thought someone was on the wind up, if I'm being honest. And I was like, definitely, I'd love to. I'm actually fighting in Spain next week. I said, leave me, get that out of the way. And uh, we can talk. And I went to Spain. I had the fight. I was lying in the hotel the following morning asleep. My phone starts ringing. And it was Phil Sutcliffe. Congrats last night. Are you good to fly to Portugal? I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) Off I went to Portugal. And I spent four weeks out there. Came home for Christmas. And then the first week in January, we set off to Dubai for another five or six weeks. So... Yeah, as much bad luck as I've had in the game, Kevin. I've also had a lot of good luck and great times. Yeah, and it's mad how like you can, like a sparring camp like that, but you can become, you can make your name so much bigger than than a, a lifetime fighting, can't you? And that's just the that's just the nature of uh, the celebrity that's attached in this instance. And 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 that's the world we live in today. Social media, it's how it's run, it's how it's going, and there's no changing it. Are you, were you glad when you became the the object of? Uh, Bit of shit, a bit of shit from Jake Paul. Were you glad, thinking, "All right, this is great for my name. I can get involved here," or is there a part of you that you know nobody wants to wake up in the morning and all of a sudden see fifty thousand, uh, you know, fifty thousand people adding them on Twitter and going, "Oh Jesus, what the hell is it here?" That's an that's an anxiety that people would feel, isn't it? Like, were you, yeah, how did, how did it go? So that moment came for me, Kevin. I was actually asleep. Um, the different time zones so everyone in Ireland seen it before me I woke up at like half three in the morning because we were sparring at four to get Connor's body clock ready for the spar and my, I was in brushing my teeth my phone was just buzzing 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 and I was like what is going on and I hadn't seen it but everyone back at home had and I opened my phone and little did I know what was to follow Jake had obviously made that video and yeah I think I was I was just lost in it all I, I, I only came to terms with it all a few weeks after as you can expect you know, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy time in my life. And uh, yeah, it really hit me when we couldn't really leave the hotel with Connor for security reasons. But five days after all this had happened, I left the hotel and I went to Ocean Beach and I went in onto the bed as you would. And next thing everyone is pointing at me and looking at me. And I'm like, what is going on? Everyone knew me. My first time leaving the hotel, they're like, you heard a kid arguing with Jake Paul and coming over with our phones. And yeah, that was just a mad time that followed. It was crazy. Did you talk to McGregor himself about how to deal with it? Because it's not a normal situation for people to be in. And even fighters, so, that, that you can be a professional fighter, 20 and 0, and not come anywhere close to the sort of attention that you're suddenly under. So my, my head was initially annoyed and wrecked over Kevin and angry, as you will be. And like, who's this guy to be making videos about me? And that evening, Connor Vice knowed me. And he was like, Dylan, you're everywhere now, bro. He might be a Wally, he said, but he's got a broad reach. Everyone in the land, these are his words, is waiting for your next move. Relish in it, brother. So I was thinking, what am I going to do to capitalize on this? And off I went and I got a Lamborghini and I made a video and that went just as far as his one. And yeah, it all just snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah, bad times, all right. Um, yeah. 
Crazy. crazy <laughs> and I'd love to see how anyone would deal with it, put, put in that situation, because what do you do? What do you say? You know, and but, uh, everybody's different. Do you know what I find funny about it, Kevin? Like, had I not got bet in America, he wouldn't have made that video because there would have been nothing for him to see. So, it's yeah, it's funny how things work out, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. There's a positive spin you can put on it. That's nice. In your life, uh, you know, so you've brought it all back home recently. Um, you know, you've been around the world, but now, you know, your next fight is in Manchester where you're very comfortable. Your last fight was in Waterford. And, and before that, you linked up with Jimmy Payne, like you said, a Waterford man a good coach, coaching with Joe Ward as well, who's, you know, Joe's a smart boxing man as well, isn't he? I'm sure he's given plenty of work. Yeah. What's that link up been like? Who made the approach? How did it all go down and how's it working out now? It's been the best decision I've ever made in my career so far, Kevin. In my opinion, Jimmy Payne is one of the best coaches in the country, um, if not further afield. And yeah, I'm just delighted with it. Very, very happy with the decision that I've made to be among him and Joe like we were last night sparring and chats after sparring and that that knowledge to be around you know and you just absorb it all it's priceless to be fair but after the homecoming I'd spent like two years in Germany um, and I was very happy in Germany you know but the loneliness kind of started to get to me I would say and for no reason other than when Waterford finished and Whispers of Marku came about I knew something needed to change I'd been watching fights all my life and you look at like the corner work and the language barrier was really kind of catching me in Germany heading into a fight like this and the loneliness as well I will be honest you know you're getting older now it's not as easy to be away on your own in a different country I'm happier at home and I thought about Jimmy Payne um, Jimmy trained me as a youngster I know what Jimmy's about and I went and I approached him we had a cup of coffee and I just knew he was the guy for the job and you know thankfully he agreed to train me. It's been a great partnership these last few weeks and I just think everything feels right coming into this fight. Um, it's all come full circle for me. I'm at home. I'm with Jimmy and uh, yeah, it couldn't be better. That night in Waterford, it was uh, April the 8th and you headlined against uh, Mauro Maximali- Maximiliano uh, Godoy. He was, re- he was a replacement opponent, wasn't he? But it was... Um, yeah. Was we you were supposed to fight Declan Garrity, wasn't it? Was it that supposed to be for it's yeah. supposed to be Declan for the Irish title, yeah. Yeah. And that fell true, obviously. And maybe it's a fight that can be made again, but possibly with Marku, you'll have you'll have moved past the, the likes of Garrity. But maybe it's a fight that can be made again one day. Yeah, definitely. Um again, like the homecoming fight, I'd been out of the ring coming on like 15 months. You know, just it's always bad luck after bad luck. I only had I think it was three or four spars. I got cut under the eye. Deco then pulled out, you know, late replacement. But we got the show across the line. Um, it was good to get in there and get the rounds. And that was standing to me massively heading into this Marco fight. I remember uh, talking to you in the uh, dressing room afterwards, though, and you seemed like just so happy, so satisfied, you know, to have fought back in Waterford. For the, it, felt, it felt like you'd really tick something off the box. And I'm sure it's an ambition you want to ha- you have uh, there to fight in Waterford again. But to have done it once, most fighters don't get that opportunity, that home show. Definitely, Kevin. So anybody here in Waterford will tell you for years, for years, I was like a broken clock telling people, I'm going to bring a big show to Waterford, I'm going to fight at home. And it was always very important to me. Um, And I think it was a great night. Everyone really enjoyed it. And we most certainly will go there again. We're actually talking about it already for the new year with Neil Power. Um, I think he set the bar with the show, you know, the arena and everything it's its just it's an amazing place to have it um, and boxing the tide seems to be turning with boxing now at the moment in Ireland and it's great to see and please God shows and Waterford can be a part of it 
But it was a lot of talk around the time when Declan pulled out that Paddy Donovan wanted to step in. Um, obviously, you're fighting Mark who now, who has been a longtime rival of Stevie McKenna, who's been calling him out like aggressively for many years at this stage. Are those kind of all Irish encounters something that you want to move on to? Because I guess if you beat Florian Marku on, on Sky Sports on Boxer, there's going to be a host of international opponents there as well at your, you know, at your beck and call. Yeah, so if I beat Florian Marku on September 2nd, the option's wider. If if I don't beat Florian Marku, there's a lot of exciting fights here for me which are going to happen. You know, the Paddy Donovan fight is a massive fight in Ireland. Doing it on the wall for show on two weeks' notice was just a, a complete and utter waste. Nobody was getting paid. It wasn't possible. People just sit at home on their phones and think, oh, so-and-so is afraid to fight so-and-so. It doesn't work like that. I said I would uh, contact Paddy Donovan after the Waterford show, and that's exactly what i done. I sat with a promoter that wanted to run a show, and the money just made sense for absolutely nobody. I said no four days later. I got Marco on Sky Sports for probably six or seven times the amount. So that's the game. You know, you have to know when to say yes and no and not be pressured by anyone that you don't know is on their phone at home. You have to look out for yourself. You know, it's a short career. And I feel I've made the right decision so far. Yeah, no doubt. And what and what about McKenna? Is that a fight you'd entertain? Which McKenna? Stevie, I guess, is smaller, isn't he? Yeah, I, ne- I actually never even... Yeah, never just say boxer. it. Fought on Boxer a few times as well. Yeah, no, no, I know Stevie. But never ever crossed my mind fighting him. I know me and Tyrone McKenna agreed to have a bit of a tear up after the Marco fight on Instagram a while ago. I'd love to share the ring with Tyrone. Um, please God he wins this world fight, title yeah. I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of his you know um, old school throwback money's worth when Tyrone McKenna fights anytime he's fighting I'm sitting down to watch and yeah I'd be delighted to share the ring with him maybe we could bring Tyrone McKenna to Walford in the new year who knows mm. absolutely but look uh, it's all about uh, Moran versus Marco now um, I'm sure you're really excited and looking forward to it very, very excited, Kevin. You know, I'm in a great place at the moment, physically and mentally. Like I said, I'm happy to be here. I'm solely focused on beating Flory and Marcus September 2nd. You know, it's been a lifetime in the making and I'm fully confident I can do that. It's been, a, as the show goes, it's definitely been a rocky road for you to get to this place still, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't have changed any bit of it. Good stuff. Well, look, Dylan Moran, thank you very much for joining us on this week's episode of The Rocky Road. Wishing you all the best on September 2nd in Manchester. Kevin, pleasure is mine. Thank you very much.